Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special emergency edition of the Celtics Lab podcast. I am your guest host for today, Alex Goldberg, joined by Dr. Justin Quinn, with our special guests, Yossi Yaslin and Logan Newman. Fellas, welcome to the pod, and we have got quite a lot to discuss. But before we jump into that, the music that you just heard is Divine Sweater. It's my band. I play bass in it. And if you like it, you should listen to us on Spotify. And uh, fellas, uh, let's let's uh, just go around and take the pulse. How are we feeling today? Mm, start with you, Dr. Quinn. Tired, very tired. And I slept in, which was obviously a mistake. Yasi? I don't have a stake in either of these teams, but I was very surprised with the timing of this. And this was definitely a trade a lot of the frame. A lot of people thought of this type of framework. Oh, what if we do Kemba for Al Horford? So I'm not totally shocked that this happened. I'm just a little surprised it happened midway through the playoffs. Uh, but I guess Boston already knows there might not be anything else better out there. So might as well take it. Logan, your thoughts? Yeah, I feel similarly to that. Once the shock of the trade itself got through me, it was mainly the time that was surprising. I'm still a little bit confused about it from the Thunder point of view, just in terms of how they will use Kimba Walker and what they're doing with their younger players who they want to develop. But once this shock wore off, I realized it wasn't all that surprising of a move. Well, folks, thank you for sharing. Uh, If you haven't picked up on it by now, listeners, what we are discussing is the stunning trade report coming out of Boston this morning Starting point guard and former all-star Kemba Walker has been dealt for longtime Boston fan favorite Al Horford, along with Moses Brown, the seven-foot-two Goliath who notably hung 20 points and 20 rebounds on the Boston Celtics earlier this season. And the Celtics will also be sending the 16th pick in the draft to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I, for one, am feeling great about this trade as one of Al Horford's biggest fans and as somebody who can now justify one of my preseason or off-season predictions that uh, Kemba Walker was going to be dealt. Now, admittedly, I have said on this podcast before that I thought Kemba Walker was going to be dealt to the Dallas Mavericks, but I also thought that Al Horford was somehow going to be coming back to the Celtics in that trade. So I'm going to count this as a win for me and my predictive abilities. But enough uh, chatter about that. Let's get right into this. Let's get into some of the details. So uh, as mentioned before, it's Kemba Walker, the number 16 pick, and there's more stuff going on. Uh, There's also the 2025 second rounder, which is the best of Boston or Memphis's picks, which Boston has the rights to. Uh, for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second rounder, which is the worst of OKC's three second rounders because there is nothing that Sam Presti loves more in this world than a draft pick. Uh, For Boston, it saves $20 million per Bobby Marks and could rise to as high as $32 million. Uh, Kemba Walker's trade kicker, which was the subject of some discussion, has been waived by default because it was uh, this contract year, and so he was already at the max. Folks, let's get right into it. How do we feel? And uh, I'm going to start with you, Logan, from the OKC perspective. What are we looking at here? You guys know Al Horford just as well as I do. Um, The the real lapse in his valley came from that disastrous thing with the Sixers, 
But this year with the Thunder, he showed he's still a good passer. He made three-pointers at a high clip. He's still a good defender. And the Thunder were just very markedly, clearly better with him on the court than without. Um, when they when they started tanking in earnest, that was right after Shea Gilders-Alexander got injured. So he was out for a while. And at that point, they decided, okay, now is the time to lose. Let's shut down Al Horford as well. They did that. They lost something like 23 of their next 25 games. They dropped from a 19 and 24 record all the way to the fourth worst record in the league. They got bad. Losing Horford for for half the season was a big reason of that. More important, not not more importantly than Horford, Horford, but more interesting to you guys probably is Moses Brown. Just because you don't know anything about him yet beyond that 21 point 23 rebound performance against the Celtics, mm-hmm. he's a player who gives me a lot of Rashawn Holmes vibes. Normally, I don't like player comparisons that much for young guys. But for this, in terms of his energy, just the general fan appreciation of him, the way he plays, I, I, I think that that's a good upper, or upper trajectory point that fans can reasonably hope for. He's not a very good defender at this point. He needs to improve on coverages and the pick and roll switching, all, all that stuff. But yeah, he's seven foot two. He plays like he's smaller. He moves really well, runs the court. You get him, you get him the ball inside, he'll put it in, and he'll probably grab that rebound as well. He, he, he's a walking 10, 10 and 10. And if you guys can find the room for him, you guys are going to like him a lot. Well, I am always a fan of people who get compared to Rashawn Holmes, a player that I have long coveted for the Boston Celtics. So that sounds great to me. Yassi, from a neutral, unbiased perspective, general overview thoughts on this trade. For Boston, they did what... I felt was the most they could do on the last time I was here. I was, we were talking about Kemba traits and I was saying how the Celtics, if they're going to get off Kemba, well, they ended up, they did end up getting a really good rotation player in Horford, but most importantly, they need to get more flexibility. Now the flexibility isn't so much in the future flexibility. I know Horford is uh, like 50% guaranteed for the, for next season, but I don't see the Celtics cutting him. 14 and a half mil is a lot of money to just have on the books for someone like Horford. Um, if they're going to, if they wanted to get even more flexibility, they'd probably have to trade him. So, but they did, that's like a, they have like a $6 million, $7 million difference heading into next season, or maybe no, like a $9 million difference. So that alone creates a lot of flexibility. Now I've got Boston roughly 8 million below the tax. After getting after uh, decreasing that salary slot and getting off their pick, they were right at the tax prior to all this, and they still got some work to do. I've been seeing some reports from uh, several uh, people who cover Boston saying now they feel better about re-signing Fournier and maybe even using the mid-level. Uh, they still got some work to do to do a lot of those things. Uh, we could get to that in a sec. Uh, as for OKC. They still have a lot of cap space. I think they go from like rough, like 40 mil to like 34 mil, but they could still get up to 40 mil uh, with, if they cut some players. So OKC still have their, uh, still can do all their salary dumps for other teams. I'm sure there's already a long line of teams trying to uh, dump salaries for to them. Overall, I think OKC and Boston accomplish a lot of things, but, you know, OKC, they got an extra pick and they're going to rehab Kemba and try to they get a pick for him, try to get another pick for him later. And Boston just gains a little more flexibility now, which 
could help them uh, put together a much more competitive and fitting team. All right. So let's uh, get a little bit more on that Boston perspective. Dr. Quinn, how are we feeling about the return of Al Horford? Well, obviously, I'm just as excited as you. He's one of my favorite players as well. Um, and not just for his his beautiful eyes, but also because he still is a very good player. I think uh, when he has something to play for, uh, he'll kick it into a higher gear as he has in the past in the playoffs. I'm really looking forward to his passing, his shooting. Uh, he is a little bit more flexible. I mean, obviously, we want to avoid two big lineups as long as we have Tristan on the roster, but at least he can against second units play with Tristan. He can definitely play with Time Lord, particularly against the Philadelphia 76ers, which I am very excited to see again. Um, I'm also really interested in seeing what uh, Mr. Moses can do for us. Uh, he he does have that Rishon uh, Holmes vibe to him. Besides that, he's also on a very, very good contract. I think he's only guaranteed for some of next season, non-guaranteed the next two seasons after that. And the final season, I believe, is a team option. And it's just, it's a really valuable contract, particularly if he can blossom into the kind of player that he's shown with OKC. If he can do that on a good team, I think he's going to be a potentially very valuable trade ship or even rotation player. Yeah, Adam, at this point, I don't think he's owed anything, but he does have a partial guarantee coming up, and maybe this month. And every year is below $2 million for the next three seasons. So it's it's the it's the Lou Dort special again, and we know that that has turned out very well for the Thunder. Yeah, so I think there might be some uh, I don't know if it's concern from Celtics fans about whether Moses is actually going to be part of the the Celtics team going forward. Uh, not just because they now have four rotational centers, but also because Moses did have to get his was part um, included and they uh, increased his guarantee to match salaries. And that's true. But I think Boston did want Moses Brown because OKC had like three or four or five other players that were non-guaranteed and they could have done the same exact thing to just slightly increase their guarantee and include him in the deal. Like Charlie Brown and uh, Gabriel deck. And uh, I think Boston did want Moses Brown. So We'll see what happens as far as the the center rotation. We'll get we'll get there a little later. Um, maybe they move, they change move some pieces around. But uh, point is, I think Moses is gonna be a part of the Celtics season at least for the beginning. Yeah, I think that's probably right, and I also think that um, it's worth mentioning that you know we we touched on like this idea that the Celtics might possibly wave stretch Al Horford. Uh, Yasi, I agree with you that I think it's a, it's a pretty huge number to do that. And uh, based on the Celtics social media team hype video that they released shortly after the trade, I would have to think that um, the intention for Al Horford is not only to be a part of this team, but to be a pretty critical part of this team. I think they plan on him being uh, a starter for the Celtics next year. And we'll see how that works. You know, I mean... Logan, to kind of your point, Al had a really nice bounce back year in OKC. Now, it's unclear if he can replicate that kind of a year on a team that's actually intending on playing for something in the Celtics, trying to kind of make its way up the Eastern Conference standings. But um, Al has proven that he's a pretty decent fit 
with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He knows those guys pretty well. And uh, I think even a diminished Al Horford is going to have a prominent role as a kind of vet leader for this team uh, in a variety of different ways. And I think Brown is, is going to be interesting in that regard too. I, I agree. I don't think Boston would have uh, traded for Moses Brown unless they intended to actually see what they have there. And maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing, who knows? And Yasi, to your point, uh, it, the Celtics front court is now quite log jammed, but uh, I do think that they want to at least see uh, if Moses Brown has something in the tank that he can give to this team. Um, uh, with regard to that log jam uh, at center, so Yasi, as you mentioned, the Celtics now have Al Horford, Tristan Thompson, Robert Williams, Moses Brown, in addition to not even taking into account uh, small ball five centers like Grant Williams or your Taco Falls or your, the, Cel- the Celtics have a weirdly stuffed depth chart at center, which is strange for a team that last year had very much the opposite after the trade deadline. So I'm going to swing it to you first, Dr. Quinn. What do we make of the Celtics front court log jam? It seems to me maybe that this is not a sustainable plan heading into next season. What Yasi was referring to that he saw about wanting to keep Tristan around, um, I, I don't necessarily think they really do want to keep Tristan around. I think they want to keep him around as insurance to see how Moses plays, for example, if he turns out to be a disaster on a new team, which I very much doubt he's going to be. Then they have him you know, around as a safe third big. He's earning a lot of money. I think they really want to get off of it. And I think that most of the reporting that we're hearing about, uh, I'm sorry, Tristan, you're still a good player. This has nothing to do with your player. It has to do with your paycheck, similar to Kemba Walker, but to a lesser degree. The idea, I think, is to, to signal to teams that they will keep him if they have to. They're not going to burn a first-round pick to get off of his contract. But, you know, we were talking a little off, off air before we started this. And uh, I think Yassi and I both agree that we don't necessarily need to burn a first round pick to get rid of his, his contract. Yeah. Trist, Tristan's still a very productive center. He was good last year. Um, I don't know if he, he might not be this, the same guy he was in Cleveland, but uh, he only has one year left on his deal. I'm sure there's going to be several teams that are interested in getting him, renting him for a year. And if anything, Boston should be able to get like at least like maybe one or two second round picks for Tristan Thompson. So then, so the, the whole idea is right now, Boston, roughly a million below the tax, and they want to bring back Fournier. And I think Fournier, again, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Fournier. I don't think he's like that good. I, he is good, but to get a player like him, it's very hard to get a player like him. And you got to pay a lot to get a versatile two-way player uh, at the wing. And I could see a lot of teams with cap space trying to pursue him, giving him somewhere between 15 to 20 mil even. Uh, I think he probably gets around the same amount of money he was earning these past few years, roughly 17 mil. So if Boston wants to go that route, then they can either have a really big luxury tax bill or now that they have this crowded center rotation, maybe offload some money, get off Tristan. There's a couple other things they could do to save even more money. And not that they could still start the season over the tax, but not by too much by bringing it by re-signing Fournier uh, use. I don't think they could re- realistically use the, the t- non-tax pyramid level while re-signing Fournier. 
even after getting off Tristan, but maybe they, they could use the taxpayer for sure. They might finish, they might start the season a little over the tax. They can, if things are going well, maybe they want to, maybe ownership wants to spend even more, get, do something to add more to the payroll. Things aren't that good. Okay. You could, it's not too hard to get slightly under. And what do we think about players like Robert Williams, Grant Williams, et cetera? Are, is, what does this say about their future in Boston? This is open to anybody. I really don't know because my first thought was that both Tristan and Robert Williams might be available, but I'm not too sure. And But I think a lot of it might also have to do with what the Celtics want to do next season. So I, I do want to – so now like I'll just talk about their situation next year. There is a pathway for Boston to get max cap space, but they're probably going to have to get off of Horford completely, not trade him. I mean, not cut him. I actually like trade him so they could get off that additional 14 and a half. If they can do that, then they can get max cap space. I don't know. I haven't really seen who they could pursue, but if that's a route they want to do, then maybe you want to trade Robert Williams now because he's up for an extension. I think he could get, around the full mid-level, maybe even more. I think, Justin, you, you think Robert Williams could get something in the 10 to 14 range, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Maybe if, a bit more than that, but I think yeah. I think that's the starting point. It, it's yeah. a very, the very minimum. So if, you know, you got Horford, we'll, you'll see how Moses Brown goes. Um, but it, main that's what I really am interested in. Has Brad Stevens already made a decision on Robert Williams? Because he's, he's coached them. He knows him more than anyone else in the league, either. I feel like if I'm in his shoes, if you want to extend him, you'll, you'll give him, you'll give him an extension or you'll trade him. I feel like it's one or the other with, with knowing the dynamic. I very much agree. I've been pushing this philosophy for quite some time with potentially, you know, higher caliber stars, but I really do feel the responsible cap management is if you want to be on the team, you get the deal done. If you don't want to, you know, if you don't know, you want to test the waters, you need to protect those assets. And the best way to do that is moving them before they can walk out of your, your, your cap space. Well, there was another team involved in this deal. And for that, we have Logan Newman on to discuss the implications for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Logan, I'll start with this. Kemba Walker is now a member of the Thunder. The Thunder also have... Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a borderline all-star point guard. Theo Maladin, a guy that they drafted uh, in the late first round last year, who is a promising point guard prospect. And have a top four pick with a loaded point guard draft class. So what on earth is Kemba Walker going to do in the Oklahoma City? Yeah, so I'm going to start off by just like saying the obvious why the Thunder would do this, because that's going to be very quick, then my confusions will be a lot longer. Number 16 pick is better than anything else you would get with Horford. And the Thunder successfully did reclamation projects for Horford, Chris Paul, um, who else? Dennis Schroeder, sort of, then flip them for first round picks. They're hoping to do the same thing again. With that number 16 pick, they could use that. I think their hope would be to be able to use that to move up in the draft. Their pick, they have the fourth best lottery odds, but that means they could end up at like six, seven, eight, and you really, really want to be top five. So they have the, they now have their own pick. They have the 16th pick and they have either the Houston Rockets pick that's top four protected. Or if they don't get that, they have the Miami heat pick, which is number 18. If they could trade 
say their pick is number six and they trade 16, 18 and number six for number five, uh, who that, that number five team might do it. I actually wanted to ask you about that sort of strategy because it seems to me that the Thunder are in danger of becoming the next uh, Boston Celtics in terms of hoarding draft picks and then having it held against you. Yeah, so the Thunder just have so many draft picks that they cannot put together a roster using all those draft picks or else they'll have about 30 guys on the team. So they'll have to be careful with the trades, but they're not using all 19 first-round draft picks. Plus, they have three second-round picks this year, so there will be trades. Does anyone find it interesting that all this Luka and Zion news came out this week, and then the next day, Presti does this trade? Probably just thought, you know what? Not enough. I need another pick. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, on Thunder Twitter noting that if Luka decides he doesn't want to be in Dallas, there is a team that has almost 20 first-round picks that they could offer. That has not been lost on Thunder fans. <laughs> that would be something. Resurrecting OKC's big three via the Sam Presti war chest with some new faces. Um, another, As I do want I, I already have, though. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to actually answer your question now. <laughs> um, the part about actually including Kimba in the lineup does throw me for a loop because if they do get... Best case scenario and move up, plus get the Rockets pick, or just end up with their own pick and they're in position to draft someone like Jalen Suggs, like ideally Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, one of those guys. They're not not going to take him just because they have Kimba. They're going to take best available. But if they do take someone like Jalen Suggs, for instance, that means their starting lineup could be Jalen Suggs, Kimba Walker, Shea Gildress Alexander, Lou Dort, four guards to like wing at best. And then their five guys, Darius Baisley, who's six foot eight. So they will need to figure that out. They don't care about winning this season, but they also don't want to make Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby, who's six foot eight, Alexei Pokushevsky, who weighs like 115 pounds. Um, they don't want to make them get big, big centers for the entire year. So they will need to figure out something to do to, to bulk up that bigger spot in the lineup. And off the bench, they, as you mentioned, they have Teo Maladone, who, for clarification, early second round pick. And they have Ty Jerome as well, who was a rookie with the Suns, wasn't very good in Phoenix, but then he came over to Oklahoma City and was very good. He looks like he'll be a rotation player for 10 years. And so they want to figure out, they need to figure out how good Ty Jerome is, how good Teo Maladone is, where they fit with Shea Gilders Alexander. And then if they add Kimba Walker into the lineup and draft a guard, that's suddenly a five guard rotation. And I don't know how feasible that is when Lou Dort is starting and they have other players who they also want to evaluate. I'm concerned, for lack of a better word, that Kimba will give them a similar problem, quote-unquote, as, as Al Horford did, where when he plays, they're a competitive team, and they flirt with a 500 record. And next year, they might again be closer to the 10th or 11th seed than they are to the 14th and 15th seed. And then at that point, they'll have to make the decision about whether to shut Kimba down. And Kimba will have to decide if that's worth it to him to be shut down. Because we all know that he fought hard against sitting when he was hurt over the past year or two. So, yeah, if I'm the Thunder, it's, I guess it's hard to say no to this. I actually wrote a column less than a week ago about why they wouldn't do this trade. But they did. Now that they've done it, I, I've grasped why it's good for them. But I, I am really, really curious to see what they do with the rotation and how often they sit Kimba Walker, because I think you mentioned it during this pod, Alex. If not, you mentioned it before. 
but Kimba's not going to play every game. He'll he'll maybe get forty one games. I, I don't see more than that. Well, and unless, gonna... unless they start winning, unless he's more like Chris Paul, where you push him into the fifth or sixth seed, but it, the rest of the team is like twenty years old, so that's not going to happen. Well, it's going to be a fascinating season for both of the teams involved. Uh, this trade, you know, this doesn't really fit the definition of a mega trade in the same way that I don't know, like Chris Paul or a Paul George trade would, but it's certainly got some fascinating implications for both OKC, Boston, and the rest of the league. Our guests today, again, are Yasi Goslin of Hoops Hype, our cap expert, and Logan Newman of Thunderwire. Both of these are sister sites of Celtics Wire, and you can find all of their work there. Fellas, anything to plug before we let you go? Um, yeah, you can find my work on Hoops Hype. I'll tweet about uh, the salary cap transactions when they happen at Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Yeah, that, those are my plugs. Um, on Thunderwire, we did a simulate. We simulated the lottery a hundred times on Tankathon last week, and just posted the results. That that was really interesting. The Pelicans did really, really, really well for a tenth seed. And if you want a breakdown of every single Thunder draft pick, we have that on our site as well. Other than that, just Thunder news. All right. Well, I'm Alex Goldberg with Dr. Quinn. Thanks for listening to Celtics Lab. Please subscribe, review, and rate us five stars, etc., etc., etc. Have a wonderful day. Happy listening.